Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, and welcome back to the Roker Report Extra Podcast. I've been away for a few weeks, actually, since our last podcast with uh, Dara McCanthony, I think my last one was. And I left the new boy, Rich, in charge of the gaff for the Accrington game. He was quite lucky. We got a win out of that, 3-1. So, unfortunately, with me back, we might not have as much luck. But hopefully, you'll be pleased to hear I'm back and I'm, I'm sort of raring to go. And since we are speaking before the Sheffield United game, I'm not sure there's all that much to be positive about. But that said... MK make their first visit to the stadium like this Sunday and they speak about all things Milton Keynes tonight. We've got John and Tony from the brilliantly named Sit Down I Will Steal Your Club. How are you doing lads? Are you well? Yes, great mate. Thank you. Yeah, great. Thank you. Good, good, good. Nice to hear. I can't say the same, but nonetheless, I'm sure it might be better by Saturday. You never know. So the first question I'm going to throw out to both of you. I'll, I'll throw it to John first and foremost and Tony, feel free to come in when, when John's finished. But in the nicest possible way, MK seems to be one of those clubs that maybe understandably, due to its history, nobody's got too much fondness for, based on pretty much how the club came to be, I think. So I suppose to you first and foremost, I'll, I'll say, John, how did you feel, how does it feel to support Milton Keynes in that sort of way you're at and how people view you and why do you support them? I couldn't care less what people think about us if I'm being blunt. Uh... <laughs> I genuinely don't care what people, you know, think about us. In fact, if I'm being honest, when people start to like us, that's when it'll go wrong for me, to be quite honest. <laughs> and I just started going because basically I'm originally from the west coast of Scotland, where you are at the minute. And uh, I've lived in Milton Keynes for over 30 years now. And when they landed on my doorstep, I'd forgotten how much I used to really enjoy going to football. So when I turned up, I've been going ever since. And that was from 2000. March 2005, I first started going to see them. So, um, you mentioned the accent. I picked it up straight away. Where, whereabouts are you from in the West Coast? I'm originally from Ayrshire, in Irvine. From Ayrshire. Ah, from Irvine. Close, yeah. close to where I used to live. I used to, used to live in the Drossen, funnily enough. Oh, so God, not too sorry far. to hear that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry to hear it as well. I moved for a reason, I guess. Yeah, no <laughs> So, essentially, Milton Keynes, you moved there, you mentioned 30 years ago, so ago. You, you don't have a club there originally. What? So it became more of a, a thing of you had a club on your doorstep where you could go watch a good quality of football um, and you just build up a fond, fondness with them. Did you support a club before you supported yeah, MK? Yeah, I'm a Rangers supporter. 
Ah, good. I'm pleased to hear that. But I'll keep my allegiances to one side. <laughs> and and what about obviously you know, you know yourself, Tony? What what about yourself? What why do you support MK? And and second of almost, how did you come to support the club? Um, so I started off. I lived in Milton Keynes for 45 years, and uh, despite what others might say, there wasn't really a club here to follow. It changed its name. It had been taken over and no one ever went to watch them and they were they weren't very good either so when mk dons arrived my daughter got some tickets through her school i went along one tuesday night watched eyes on mcleod miss a penalty as usual and from there on i decided that uh, it was my duty as a father to take my kids along uh, whether they liked it or not i you know that would be up to them but uh, since then yeah i've been going for uh, well, I haven't missed a game in 15 seasons at home. Uh, no, not too many away games either. And it just went, it went on from there. Worked at the club as well up until last year. Uh, worked there for eight years as well. So fully involved. And I, I had season tickets. Uh, and I did have clubs I support when I was younger. Anybody really. And anything that was close. I had a season ticket at Northampton. Season ticket at Spurs. Went to Wickham a fair bit because they were reasonably close. Uh, couldn't bring myself to go to Luton though, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so yeah, but uh, now the bug bit, and um, I've been there ever since. That's it. And you, you were the kit man, if I believe correctly. Is that correct? Yeah, for four seasons, so I was kit man. Yeah. How how do you get yourself involved in that? Because we our kit man's immovable. He's John Cook's been there about twenty five million years, I believe. <laughs> it's incredibly difficult, firstly, to get it. I was asked by the manager at the time, Carl Robinson. I'd been uh, quite friendly with him for a while. Our other, the previous kit man who'd been there since day one, um, he, inverted commas, resigned. Carl came and asked me if I wanted to do it. <clears throat> I turned him down at first because I, I knew how difficult the job was and how physically demanding and 60, 70 hour weeks. Um, but I said I'd give it a go. And yeah, four seasons down the line, I saw it all. Promotion, relegation, beat Man United 4-0. That, that was... Uh, one of mine losing 6-0 or 5-0, was it 5-1 to Chelsea? 5-1 um, So, yeah, saw it all, but um, it's, a, yeah, it's more of a young man's game or if you can get yourself a couple of assistants, uh, which we didn't really have the uh, budget for and after relegation, lots of that sort of thing disappeared. So I left halfway through the season, Robbie Nielsen's first full season, because he was a six-day-a-week man and uh, it was just too much with kids and grandkids. So went back to ticketing and then again, after we got relegated, was made redundant. So I'm now just a, a fan and a podcaster. And that, that's sometimes the the world of uh, some sort of notes and these sort of divisions, isn't it? Sometimes dropping down the visions and the players that are playing for the team. It's, you mentioned redundancy there. Sometimes it can be, that's a reality in these divisions. And I think that's something that, has very been very much new to Sunderland Football Club, actually, especially. But um, you did also mention during that conversation about a four 0 win against Manchester United. Now, I wasn't I wasn't going to bring it up, but I'm I'm going to. So I'll fire this one at you, John. We have a specific striker that might have scored for MK that day that didn't do too bad uh, down 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 your way, who is, for want of a better word, misfiring, shall we say. He's, and he cost us a fair bit of money at this level. So Will Grigg is not, I wouldn't say he's enemy number one, but he's not fondly thought of up here. But, but what are your memories of him, John? And, and what can we do to get the best out of him? 
I can remember that when we failed to sign him, that everyone here was, for want of a better word, a bit devastated, really, because we were desperate to keep him. And I genuinely believe that he wanted to stay, but we just never got it done. I don't really know how you could get the best out of him. Like that season where we beat them, and that was also the season we got promoted, everything just seemed to click. We had Deli Alley, we had Benny Kafobi, we had Will Grigg, we had a fantastic team. It wasn't just all about him, to be quite honest. It was like, and it wasn't really, well, you'll agree, it wasn't really about Delhi either, was it? We just had it was like just a, it was a just fantastic a team. Everything went, it was a perfect storm yeah. for us that <clears> season. <throat> and beating was them beautiful. was just, I mean, that was a phenomenal night. I mean, you'll never forget nights like that, never. I mean, he scored with like his chest, that guy. I don't know if you've seen the goal, but he like chested it in, you know, past to here. You think, flipping heck. It can't get any better. And it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> I remember watching it on the day, and I mean, apologies to any Man United fans listening, but I think everyone pretty much likes to see Manchester United get beat if you live through the 90s. Um, so even by us. Hammered. <laughs> yes, even by you, so it seems. Yes, that is true. That was that was the one night I think uh, most people wanted MK to win that night, wasn't it? So that must have been a bit of a, bit of a turnaround for yourselves, a bit of a turn up for the books. One, one thing I did want to sort of touch on, and it was something that actually quite interested me, and you might be able to, you might just shoot this question down straight away, but we had Ivor Heller, uh, who's obviously the AFC Wimbledon uh, director and was part of the uh, sort of the the new the new AFC Wimbledon, the new Wimbledon and things like that. But one thing that I was quite curious about because I was thinking, and I remember when it happened, I was old enough to remember. It was about I think sixteen, seventeen when when the whole move from Wimbledon to Milton Keynes happened. But did any Wimbledon fans, like old Wimbledon fans, that didn't boycott boycott sorry MK? come on board with Milton Keynes and have, and have sort of stayed there? Is there anyone that moved over and just continued to support the club that they had before? Yeah, there's, there's a, we're estimated to be between two and 300. They do tend to keep a low profile, not not from us, but um, because a lot of them, there are quite a few that still live in that postcode and they have to be very careful around their way about uh, advertising who they support. So, uh, yeah, there's 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 uh, there's a few there's some that have been and gone. Um, uh, probably, I think he was actually Wimbledon's oldest fan uh, when he died. Uh, Jack the Lad was his name. Lovely, yeah, lovely Wimbledon old fella. Support, yeah, he was an original Wimbledon supporter. So, uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of them. They can generally be seen with Wimbledon shirts on <laughs> rather than MP <laughs> Dodd shirts. Uh, so they like to keep the. Uh, they like to keep that side of it going. That you know, that they're, they're original Wimbledon fans. But uh, yeah, only when they're in Milton Keynes, they wouldn't generally advertise that fact outside uh, or in their hometowns, shall we say? And I think it's really, really easy as well to, especially if you're a fan of a club outside of what happened. It's easy to look at Wimbledon and kind of gravitate towards them in a sense, and to understand their rivalry. And especially when we we've had Ivor on the show twice, so obviously we. We've had the full background of that, but very few people delve into the background of, of Milton Keynes. Um, how, how big is that rivalry, and, and what are your feelings on Wimbledon as a club, or AFC Wimbledon? Let me go first. You go first. <laughs> yes. Them more than I hate Celtic. I cannot hate anyone <laughs> more than I hate them. I hate every single thing about them. I have nothing. I despise them. Apart from that, I think they're all right. <laughs> More yeah, than Celtic, jeez! Now that's it. 
they know exactly who I am and they will be listening to this. So hello everyone from that area. It's me. I'm getting a boat. <laughs> it's not like it's not like the Glaswegian is to be shy though, is it? <laughs> well, they, they, it's um, they have. Uh, We've got a special love from me too. Yeah, they we? have. This, we, we put it that way. <laughs> he's uh, he's received various um, uh, messages of uh, support. Tony support. Yeah, something. that's that's what I, what I call it. Yeah. Um, no, there's uh, there there are many many different reasons for the rivalry. The main one being the move, um, but the long and short of it is, and what rarely ever gets made public or is ever printed because um, it doesn't fit most people's agenda is that the, the vast majority of MK Don's fans, particularly those who were here when it first happened, will and do acknowledge that what happened to Wimbledon was wrong. That should never have happened. Um, in fact, yeah. the chairman's even said it himself and regrets the, the whole the whole thing uh, in hindsight. Yeah. Um, so you you will find it difficult to track down an MK Dons fan who doesn't sympathise with the, you know... I'll be a, honest with you, you won't find away. it that difficult tonight. <clears throat> except for the, obviously, the exceptions are all being John. Um, but it's... <laughs> it, the, the rivalry... The rivalry would... I mean, when we played them first in 2012 in the FA Cup, um, the whole country just went completely crazy for it. And... And if I can just interject, that, for me, is when they lost all credibility because... Like, since they moved up to here, you know, from there up to Milton Keynes, all they were banging on about was don't go and see them. And they organised boycotts and they were fairly successful. First time they, the first time we played them, they brought three, was it 3,000 3, fans? Three and a half thousand fans, you know, to our ground. That's when they lost all credibility, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, there, there, is, there is a certain amount of... Uh... Uh, double standard, shall we say, when it comes to... Hypocrites, I believe, is yeah, the expression. Yeah. You've got me, I'm all angry now, Tony. He is, he's all worked <laughs> up. Uh, but yeah, it's not about... It. I, I don't think it's a... It's definitely not a rivalry in the traditional sense, because uh, they generally... Uh, they, they they grow organically, or it's uh, a, a geographical reason. But with us, it's it's very difficult to avoid... It's very difficult to avoid it. And when you tell people you support MK Dons, you get the usual questions. And I've now come to the point where I'd rather educate than, than argue. Um, yeah, yeah. And I will correct people if they, you know, the BBC did it for years talking about AFC formed after Wimbledon moved to Milton Keynes. They kept that going for years and years and years. Um, they've stopped printing it now, but they've never actually said that they were wrong to do that. Um, and just the media in general, is that there was a, a mirror story from a couple of weeks ago, which was, we actually thought, didn't we, Jay? Was uh, we actually thought? Yeah, it was, we thought uh, it was a parody. We thought it was a parody account, but um, turns out it was actually the Mirror printed this story, and we've seen all sorts of things. We went the, the first time I went there. Every every game with them away is a bubble game, um, so you have to travel on the club's uh, supporters, coaches. You have to have your tickets hand delivered to you. Um, I <coughs> organised. I was in charge with the coach that picked up in London, and we were the first to arrive at the ground. And um, have you been to uh, their lovely ground? I haven't. I haven't been to either, funnily enough. The, the two I've got yet to tick off. I've got Sheffield United as one of mine to tick off on Wednesday. And then we've got Lincoln in a couple of weeks. But my, my plan is to make to make one of each this year, yes. Yeah. Well, they, 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 um, where you get dropped off in the coach, you just have to walk through a, like a, a park area. Um, park on the left-hand side, housing on the right-hand side. And as we were walking down, we got um, pelted with bricks and 
well, anything they could get lay their hands on. Tennis balls. Tennis balls, which was very amusing. As one bounced at Wimbledon, one of my mates. <laughs> and uh, there was a there was a a, a Telegraph uh, photographer, a photograph that ended up in the Telegraph anyway, of us walking down um, at that point. Uh, that particular journalist or photographer didn't think it would be of interest to say that as he was taking that photo, we were being pelted with missiles. But there's lots of things that go on um, that will never be made public. Uh, again, it doesn't fit most people's agenda. We as a fan base generally don't care that much about the whole thing because no matter what we say, no matter what we do... It's a battle we'll never win. We'll exactly, never win. Yeah. So You're asking us about it now, you it's know? Really not worth ask. It's really not worth bothering with and, and having... Having those conversations with people, as I said, rather educate than than argue with them about the facts um, as they stand and have been perpetuated over over the years. No doubt you will get some sort of uh, backlash yourself coming soon. I'm fairly sure of that. <laughs> We're used to that. Used to that. Don't you worry. It was it was it was allegedly <laughs> my whole, fault that whole new set of fans after you now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was allegedly my fault that we got beat with Peterborough a couple of weeks ago because I I dared mention the name Marcus Madison and why we didn't sign him. You mentioned obviously we've we've talked a bit about something I think had to be covered because I was really interested in it and the other side of things like I say we've had Ivor on twice and I love talking to him I love him as a bloke um, but when it comes to having the MK on side you, you haven't got it and I think it's fair to air that but in terms of the match on Saturday the big thing for me is the match um, I've looked at obviously how you've been getting on obviously I did a little bit of prediction before the start of the season I think you'll I think you'll stay up comfortably and you're not too far away at the moment from where I thought you would be but you came up from League 2 last season alongside Berry. Um, Tramia, Lincoln and are probably one of the teams that have been least talked about in terms of the promoted teams because obviously Tramia back in the big time Berry, well we all know what unfortunate would happen to Berry and Lincoln have been you know talked of quite a bit but you started really fairly well should we say in sitting 15th you've had some huge wins, you've beat Blackpool 3-0 at Blackpool, you've beat Lincoln 2-1 which I think is a great result and you've had two derby victories over AFC Wimbledon, one in the cup, one in the league Um but you haven't scored in the last two games. So I suppose I'll throw this one to John. How would you assess the opening to your campaign? Exactly as I thought we would be. I've predicted that we'll finish 10th. Oh, what's the 12th? If we 10th, I'll be astonished. Uh, equally as much, talking about what happened last Saturday, um, if we were still playing that match now, we wouldn't score. We were up against <laughs> a goalkeeper and 10 defenders for the whole of that match. And we had a lot of that last year when we were in League Two, but I was, I mean, I don't know what to say. The best team we played this year, without a shadow of a doubt, have been Peterborough. They were phenomenal. They were a, they were a different level. Yeah, they, they look good. They look good. I mean, I thought uh, I thought Ipswich were pretty good. We played them last Tuesday, and they were they started off well, but I mean, the second half, I don't know. We we discussed it on our own podcast. You know whether they were just you know because they had a couple of they had a couple of injuries, so that, that messed the game plan up. But, I mean, even though we lost, we were fairly happy, weren't we, yeah, Tommy? It felt it like a, a win in some ways. Match, it, was, it was a very strange feeling at the end of the game. We'd lost 1-0, but we walked away from it feeling really positive because we absolutely battered them in the second half and it couldn't have been any different from the first half. That gives you a little bit of hope. And then South End come to town, who you've already beaten 4-1 easily. And they score after three minutes, and we then spend the next hour and a half basically with the ball 
but forgetting to shoot. Um, <laughs> and, we set up wrong. I mean, I mean, well, anyone that's listened to this, listened to our own podcast, we set up wrong on Saturday. We just did, in my opinion, we should have gone two up front. We just went for one, and they just basically sat back for the whole match. It genuinely was like playing against like a goalkeeper and ten defenders for the whole match. It was. Mm. And we had so much of that last year in League Two that it, it just became really like tedious, didn't it? it well, you must like, be you must get a lot of that at Sunderland, especially at home, where teams come just to try not to lose. Uh, you'd be you'd be surprised with with Sunderland. It's actually one of the and anyone listening will probably hopefully agree that the biggest frustration with Sunderland is um, we're too defensive um, for. The, the quality we've got in the ranks, and um, that that's one of the one of the big frustrations with Jack Ross. But la- last season, yeah, we we did we had a lot of teams that would come up and sort of shut up shop. Um, a couple of them got steamrolled at the beginning of the season, the likes of Scunthorpe and and Rochdale, uh, Gillingham, and there's no surprise they were down the bottom of the league. But there were some teams like Wickham came to the stadium, um, stuck ten men behind the ball and managed to go in front. And if it wasn't for I think it was Josh Madger who obviously went to Bordeaux, um, equalised late late on. But yeah, we, we just had we had a couple of teams that sat behind the ball. But our, our problem is we're probably a bit too defensive ourselves. Oh, that surprises me. I, I would have thought that you me would <laughs> be in a similar position with ten men stood in front of you, or eleven men in front of you, trying to break them down. For most home games, that's uh, aside from um, Ipswich and obviously Peterborough. That's pretty much been it. Lincoln, Lincoln had a good go, and we were we were I mean, lucky that day. Shrewsbury and Lincoln very, very lucky to win both of those games. Very, very. Sh- Shrewsbury was one 0 wasn't that? Another good win because Shrewsbury are they're, they're a different animal from what they were last season. They're, they look a little bit better than they did. And they've they obviously beat I think Portsmouth opening the season as well, which I know, I know they're struggling at the moment, but Portsmouth will probably probably rear their rear their ugly head at some point. Yeah. Um, you, you talked about obviously where I think you would uh, you you said ten that I think I said twelve but a lot of my reasoning for thinking you'd be quite comfortable was your summer signings I thought you made some really good summer signings um, I looked at your lineup from Saturday and not all of them were playing but um, Harim Boateng Jordan Barry from Crew uh, Regan Poole came in from Manchester United is there any of the new signings that have particularly impressed you Boateng seems to be popular he's He's comfortable on the ball, but he likes time on the ball. And teams have quickly worked that out. Ipswich particularly had two men on him straight away as soon as he got the ball. Barry has been a real disappointment so far. Um, anybody that knows me over the years knows that one thing I never do is criticise a player, but there is a limit uh, to, to what I can put up with him. I don't, I don't know what it is about his game. He's clearly, we always say this, you know, if he wasn't good enough, he wouldn't be playing for MK Dons. He wouldn't be playing in, in League One. Um, but it just seems, I don't know, there's just something in his game at the moment that's missing. I can't put my finger on it. But we're looking at, I mean, the big thing to come out of this, certainly in the last few weeks, is um, Sam Nombe coming in, scoring a couple of goals, keeping his place. David Kasumu just behind him as well. These are academy lads for us. Yeah. Um, okay, so they came through the academy, yeah. They weren't even first-team players when I was kit man. That's that's how young they are. Um, and I was sizing these lads up for their first shirts five, six <laughs> years ago. So they, Sam's progression uh, physically has been fantastic. He's uh, He used to be what I would call lumpy, not, not particularly tall, 
big arse. Um, <laughs> uh, but he has now, he's grown a bit and he's, he's sort of, uh, he's more in proportion and he's very, very strong and he absolutely terrified the AFC defenders. Uh, they stuck their tallest defender, what, it must have been 6'2", 6'3". Have you played them? Can I just interject? Have you played Wimbledon yet? We have. We we beat them 3-1. Uh, Chris Maguire's got a hat-trick. We beat them. It was our... I oh, it was a Tuesday night game, wasn't it? No, it was a Saturday. Saturday, actually. I was going to say it was our last game, but it was 1-3-1. Probably our best performance of the season, actually. And with all due respect to Wimbledon, probably the worst team we've come up against this they season. They are definitely well. the worst team we've played without a shadow of a doubt. And I'm not yeah. just saying that because I can't stand them. They were... They're a poor, poor team. They are. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, there is close thing between them and Southend. Southend, when although they beat us on Saturday, you could, you know, when you look, you can, you look at a team and you just know they're severely lacking in quality. You, you know, when we were in League Two, you look at teams like Macclesfield, and you're thinking, you know, they will struggle to stay up, and they'll always yeah. be down there. They just don't have the quality of player. And I mean, the thing is with AFC, they have got some decent players, but. Again, the philosophy from their manager seems to be it's 1987, so let's throw the ball up there and see what happens. Um, he's actually you get a little bit of that. I said that, yeah. He, yeah, he probably yeah. did admit that he's a long ball team. He did not think there's anything wrong with that philosophy. And the, and the good thing about League One these days is there is a lot of football in there. It's uh, gone on. I mean, when I had that season ticket at Northampton, it was stick it up to big John Gale hoof it 60 yards, see who he can head it down to. And that's what you watched every week. But League One these days, even League Two to a certain extent, is in terms of the quality of football is so much better than it used to be. And uh, I don't know why that would be specifically be, but particularly as most teams are, you know, favour the 5-4-1 or the 4-4-1-1 with a man up front. So there does seem to be a lot more football played. But no, they are pretty awful and they running south end very close as to being the worst team of the season so far and um, I think they will struggle south end will definitely struggle and I also think Shrewsbury will be down there I know that a lot of people are saying that they have improved but I think they'll be back down there uh, towards the end of the season One of the the big takeouts I took from sort of your team was that the particular player that a few of our writers would have loved to see at Sunderland, and it was no real surprise that he went to to sort of Charlton in the summer, Chuck Zanike. And I looked through sort of top goal scorers for yourselves this season, and no one's really bagging on a, a regular basis. I think Reese Healy might be a top goal scorer on two. How have you adapted to the loss of a player that's of championship quality, I think, in Anike? And how much of a blow was it losing him? We said we were fully expecting him to go last Christmas and we did see that when he stayed, that was you know, that was probably our biggest signing. He wasn't our best striker last year, ironically enough, you know, but uh, he went really with everyone's good wishes, I suppose, didn't he, Tony? I mean, he, yeah. He went. I mean, we were sad to see him go, obviously, because he was a good player, but, you know, like I said, we were just grateful that he stayed just, you know, after January sort of thing, really. Chaps yeah. is a sort of player who can, who, who makes things happen that, are, you know, they're not, they're not in the, not in training sessions, they're not planned for. I mean, he scored a ridiculous goal last season where he, he got the ball on the touchline about 60 <laughs> yards out. It was just ridiculous. And he, he was doing that for fun. And if he stays fit like he did with us last season, Charm could have the sign of the season there by some distance. Uh, he's, 
he's just the sort of player that and we started using him as a sub towards the end of the season to come on and just annoy defenders because he was getting so frustrated with uh, not getting free kicks. Defenders used to try and go through him, but he's so big. It, it, you know, he's the original immovable object. Uh, so defenders then started falling over and Chucks being Chucks would then get upset, shout at the referees, which is never a good thing. And uh, no. he, Macclesfield last year, actually, he was in tears after the game. He just couldn't, he can't comprehend. When the standard of the referee at League Two is significantly a, I'd oh, say poorer yeah. than it is even at League One. I mean, yeah. Was poor last year, it really was. But uh, can I just ask you a quick question? Are you finding it difficult to sign players now? I think it's a difficult one when it comes to recruitment. And again, this is just my personal opinion. I think that's been probably our our biggest failure since we've we've came up. Obviously, we had our big signs have been Will Greg, which has definitely not worked out. We haven't really fixed the issue of having pace and power in the middle. We, we we signed a lot of players. I think there's been a couple of players we've been interested in that have ended up going elsewhere. The big one was probably being Lyle Taylor last year. He opted to go to Charlton, which obviously yeah, that, that's a great signing for them. It's it's been it's worked out for him as well, and um, he tortured us a couple of times last season, and not necessarily, but I think. There was a particular circumstance this season, which I don't know what happened, but I think we were sort of waiting until the championship window closed to see if we could pick up any players from maybe League One that thought they were going to go to the championship, but didn't. But as it worked out, yes and no, I suppose. We're certainly not the big pull I think many people think we are, no. What about what about Screech? Um, Tom Flanagan? What do the uh, Sunderland fans think of him? Move on. I really did think you were gonna you were gonna say that. Tom, is he still a first team starter, Tom Flanagan? He played on he played on Saturday. Um, Just over the he, bar, didn't he? If I remember rightly, was that was that? Yeah, he hit he hit the bar, but 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 Flanagan. I think I, I don't know if Ozturk was injured, but um, but put it this way: we we were at Bolton on Saturday, and I don't want to dig anyone out because he, he, he wasn't the worst player on the pitch. They were all as bad as each other, but Tom Flanagan is not. He, he was first team last year, um, but he had a game against Coventry, which he was particularly horrific when we got beat 5-4, alongside Jack Baldwin. Uh, Jack Baldwin was never to be seen again, has now gone to Salford on loan. Um, rather surprisingly, uh, whereas Tom Flanagan's flitted in and out, but he the, the best way I can describe Tom Flanagan is he is a centre-half that is not very good at bringing it out from the back and does not have a pass in him but cannot control his almost inability or he, 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 mistake. yeah like he, he's, he's always got a mistake in him and he, he loves to when you just think don't pass it don't pass it don't pass it don't do one of those stupid long balls he seems to have an inability to stop himself from doing it the strange thing is he I, I worked with him for that four seasons before he went to Burton and in training he's probably one of the most gifted centre-backs you'll ever see in terms of ability and I'm you know I'm talking the Rio Ferdinand type player very calm very collected um, but then you know we'll go to Gillingham and he gave away gave away a penalty got two red uh, two yellow cards and a red off and was off within 20 minutes uh, yeah, so, yeah 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 that's what he's capable of and it was always a bit of a mystery as to why 
with his talent, he maybe he was maybe he shouldn't have played centre back. Maybe he should have been a number ten or just keep him away from the goal. Basically, is 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 what. Yeah, keep him away from keep, yeah, keep away from your own goal rather than rather than the opponent's goal. But yeah, it was it was always a bit of a disappointment because we we tipped him for great things and he's a lovely lad. He's ugly as sin, but um, he's <laughs> he's a good lad. Um, Got a nice curly hair, though. He's done well for himself, to be fair. I mean, we we thought after he left us that it would just go downhill for him. He would just disappear. I'll be honest, he's done well to go to you. Yeah. Yeah. He has. It it feels like that, and you you don't want to... I don't want to blow something on Trump because we are where we are, and I certainly don't think we're one of the better sides in League One. I think we're actually one a really average League One team. Um, But Flanagan is... If you want to go up automatically, Tom Flanagan should be nowhere near your squad, and, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. But I'm sure, sure he's a nice enough fella, um, and I, I wish him no ills in that way because he's, it's not through lack of effort, and I'll, I'll give him that. It's it's just lack of quality. Yeah, he's he's a, a mystery. The, the training ground often doesn't translate to the pitch, as we know, and uh, Tom was a prime example of that, unfortunately, because. Uh, yeah, I mean, he waited a long time to get in the first team at MK Dons and never really Hanging achieved it. He didn't really do anything, did he? No, went out on loan a few times, went off to Burt and had a couple of seasons. They were championship, weren't they? Uh, yeah, at one point, yeah. Yeah, while he was there. So, uh, oh, he's, he's done all right. I'm not going to not gonna lie. But uh, no, I agree with your your, uh, your summary there on, <laughs> on him. It's, it, it, can, it can be... Um, the goal in the playoff final was yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. No, skip skip over that <laughs> I can't yeah don't 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 bring that back um, I was looking at the the MK Don season statistically because I'm probably at fault for not doing that enough to be honest with you um, and I've noticed you tend to have slightly more shots at goal away from home you've scored more uh, goals away from home but you appear to have less possession with double the amount of fouls that are conceded. Do the stats tell the story of what we're likely to see on Saturday, or do you think you'll go more defensive, or do you think you'll just come and have a go at us? I'll be blunt with you. From game to game, like personally, and this is one of the reasons why we're quite fond of Paul Tisdale, is that you never know what he's going to do, to be quite honest. Am I right, Tony? Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, Ipswich was the perfect example. We set up with five at the back to... Not to concede a goal at home against at that. home. It backfired drastically. He then, at half time, he took the left back off, moved the right back to left back, uh, went to what looked like a four but wasn't quite a four. It was a sort of a four and a half. Um, um, brought in two subs at half time, uh, rearranged the midfield. I mean, we're talking, and he'll do this during the game as well. He'll do this halfway through the second half if he feels that the formation isn't working. He, he won't just, you know, move one player around or say, you know, drop back a bit more, lads, or, you know, free them. He will completely change the, the entire, uh, the entire uh, formation. And John said this before on the podcast is that he's learning. And I think a lot of our fans need to accept that, that, you know, he's, with all due respect to Exeter, he's at a bigger club now with, with more expectations. Whereas with Exeter, it was always, you know, anything was a bonus sort of thing. You know, MK Dons want to be back in the championship, um, should be with the stadium and all that sort of stuff. So what you get on Saturday, there's no point in asking us because we genuinely won't know until we see the team sheet. I would imagine that... I will say this. Every game I've seen is in, even though it was one of them we scored after about 
30 seconds, we always start really slowly, I think, and build up. It's not until I'm maybe just after about 10 minutes into the second half, you think, yeah. ah, right, here we go. And I'm not joking when I say that. We're very slow starters at the minute. Yeah, yeah, we are. And teams have been coming at us early as well. And they, they, the high press, as they, as it's known, um, a lot of teams do that to us. And we, we have actually got a style of football which has endured other than the Nielsen years, which is to keep it on the floor and, and play nice football. But they're, going back to the season we got promoted from the championship, we were, I mean, we were on a, a completely different level there, particularly towards the end of the season. We we, we went to where Swindon, we'd, we'd come back from Cheltenham races, not the not the Sammy Carruthers Cheltenham races the year before. Um, and we... The lads were absolutely buzzing. Everybody was buzzing. And the manager sat us down. He said, we've got 11 games to go. Basically, it doesn't look like we're going to get the automatic. So let's just, you know, let's win every game we can. We won 10 and drew one. Uh, and the football was outstanding. Even in the championship, I, I was in, we went to Middlesbrough and their um, manager of the time with the unpronounceable name came into the changing room and he said, why are you bottom of the league? And I said, well, I don't know if I knew that. I'd be doing your job, but... Uh, he said, I've watched all your DVDs and I cannot work out why you're right down there. I said, because in the championship, you make a mistake, you get punished. That was the difference. And this, this massive step from League One to the championship. Yeah, we were caught out really badly by that. I mean, like we just got battered every single week. It, was, yeah. it, it we, wasn't we, an enjoyable experience. We were, we were playing teams off the pitch and losing. We, we played Derby at home. Uh, and Leeds at home in in quick succession. Uh, we lost two one to Leeds, I think, and three one to Derby. And the two of the Derby goals were were, were mistakes that just get punished at, at at that level. And yeah, but again, the football that we were playing was was pretty much spot on. There was nothing wrong with the football. And the first day of the season, we. We went to uh, we played Rotherham and beat them four one. We did, and I thought to myself, "Ha ha, yeah. we're off." I mean, we went back to the we went back to uh, work on Monday morning. I was sat there having breakfast breakfast with a manager and the and this and this assistant Richie Barker. We sat there and uh, we're patting ourselves on the back, saying, "You know, this is actually really easy. Our, our football <laughs> our football will get us through. Our football will keep us up." Um, but probably the worst thing that could have happened we we'd be better off losing four one on the first day of the season because after that we. You know, we thought that our football would get us through, and that was always been the philosophy. I mean, Man United being the prime example, when a team allowed us to play football, we'd destroy them, and Man United yeah. let us play football, and they clearly had done no homework on us at all. And the embarrassment at the end of the game, the things that you don't get to see on the TV, their manager, he, he, I've never, ever had an, a, a, I've never been at an away game and gone into the changing room for a drink with a gaffer afterwards and the managers from the other team hasn't come in, regardless of the score. And we beat Oldham 7-0 and the manager came in and had a drink with us. We we beat uh, someone else 6-0, might have been Colchester, they came in. Their manager, Man United manager, refused to come in and that was just the, the sheer embarrassment of it all. And uh, We were spectacular at, at that point, but now it's more... We can be good. Blackpool was was a good performance. Yeah, that was a surprise. To be but it was result. a massive surprise because we didn't actually do a huge amount other than score three goals, but also stop them scoring. So, you know, you're going to take those every day of the week. But we don't want to be that club that has the odd result to shout about. You know, you want to be up there like yourselves. You want to be, you want to be uh, right up there if you can be. But uh, I, I'm, 
I've said I'd like to see us in the playoffs and I think we're capable of it. But at this point in time, I'd be surprised if John's not far off with uh, 10th, to be honest. Talking about Sunderland, um, I sort of, I think I mentioned before, I think we're one of the more average teams in this league. I'm maybe being a little bit harsh and it's probably based on, on Saturday's result because realistically, when you look through our team, there, there is quality there. Um, whether it's a, a tactics thing or not, we have the likes of Greg, McGeady, Wyke, um, all proven players at this level. Even even Blum and Tom Flanagan's proven at this level these days. But which Sunderland players are you worried about coming up against on Saturday? And, and what are your weak spots? And where do you think Sunderland can exploit MK Dons? Well, if Greggy starts, he'll definitely score. Yeah, he'll score. He always scores against us. And he'll do the most hilarious celebration you've ever seen in your life. Does he do that? I don't suppose you've seen him score that often, actually. Have you? <laughs> he just he just looks sad when he scores. Like it's... he does. He used to do this thing where he, when we were at home, uh, he would run to uh, a section of the ground that had that was closed off, had no fans in it, and he'd do the same at away grounds as well. He'd find the most empty part <laughs> and celebrate in front of it. But he is he is he's one of the funniest footballers I've ever met. He really is, and uh, he's, he is a great lad. But I would imagine that he will be not wanting just to prove a point by scoring against us, but also by the sound of it, proving a point to the Sunderland fans. So I imagine he will be looking to. You've also to got score, to consider but... Aidan McGeady, even though he is who he is, and obviously I hate him. But uh, <laughs> I was uh, waiting for that. <laughs> I mean, he's, I mean, for that level, I don't know how old he is. He must be mid thirties, thirty-four. Yeah. So you think, I mean, he's still, he's, he's got to be a quality player at this level, I would have thought. Yeah, when he wants I mean, to be, yeah. I was surprised last year that you guys didn't go up automatically. And uh, so, I, I mean, I really don't know what to say about you, to be quite honest. I mean, like, I've got this thing, and don't take this the wrong way, but I'm, you know, if, we, if there's a big team and I'm saying it about Ipswich this year, I'm saying they're going to be this year's Sunderland Ipswich, like I reckon. That's what I've been saying. So, I mean, I... Like, I would be thinking, I mean, especially a, like a club of your size, I'm, like, astonished, uh, basically, that you're in the sort of situation that you find yourselves in. I mean, I've seen that documentary on Netflix, so I understand what happened. But even though, I mean, it's League One, to be quite honest. Also, yeah. two goalkeepers called McLaughlin. We have John McLaughlin, then we have the right-back as Connor McLaughlin. Oh, oh, number two. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, so I'm looking at I'm looking at um, an old uh, lineup, and McLaughlin number two. Yeah, I've just realised he's number two. He's not a that's not a goalkeeper's number. No, neither of them having the best of seasons. Truth be told, well, I I wonder, I've heard good things about the keeper. Uh, he had a great season last season, but he's he's been sketchy this season. Yeah, well, he'll have the game of his life on Saturday if we actually do. Hopefully, <laughs> but I wonder, no, I could generally see Griggy score. And I, 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 we, I mean, as a rule, I don't. I struggle to recognise most of our players on the pitch. I just like to watch the game and I'll even describe, I forget all our players' numbers. So I, if there's a particular player that stands out, you know, like when we played Peterborough, you could see Madison straight or what I could watch him yeah. all day. I could absolutely just sit there and watch him all day and I'd, I'd pay to watch a player like that, just his movement and, Great, and Tony and, 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 you know, those sort of players there. There's not a huge amount in League One players you would say are an absolute standout head and shoulders above the rest in this league it's more about you know the being trying to be great and then the sum of your parts and 
you know, that being that team that there will be that surprise team at the end of the season who'll be up there and in the playoffs that no one's expecting. And I don't know a lot about other teams' players. I just don't really take that much notice. If I know the name, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch them. But in general, I talk in numbers when uh, when, when I'm watching games. So yeah, I mean, when we do the podcast, I'll see all that. Like, who was it? That number, number 24, yeah. Philip Switch. I couldn't tell you his name. But, <laughs> like, you know, last week when we played them, he was their best player. But I couldn't tell you what his name was. He's number 24. Yeah, it's number 24. <laughs> number seven that, that we hate from last season. Who? Uh, the little fella, yeah. Why are you asking me who? We're talking numbers. <laughs> you mentioned um, before, Tony, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't even click on to this to think about it, to be honest, but you would have been kit man when Will Grigg was at, at MK Dons and you mentioned that he was quite funny. Now, I, I've got to be honest, he looks he looks sad at, he at some moments. He does look I mean, he's miserable as it yeah, he's, it, uh, um The thing is that you've got footballers that are... It's really, it's really difficult to explain. Some some footballers are like they are outside of football as they are in football. But Griggy was a totally different person when he was in the changing room and on the pitch. Um, he was obsessive about uh, his kit. Um, he wore a pair of boots that where the sole was falling off. And each game he played, the, the sole would come apart a little bit more, a little bit more. And, I'd run out of super glue and I tried all sorts of things. And I said, mate, I can't do anything more with these boots. And he said, well, I'm wearing them. He said, I've scored three in a row, three games in a row or something. And about 15 minutes into the first half, the sole of this boot fell off. And then he moved on to the next one. And when he was in the change room, on the pitch, he was totally focused. Nothing could sort of, nothing could phase him on the pitch. And he, he was he was good at winding other players up as well and other fans, especially with his celebrations. In the change room and around the lads, he was he was a great laugh. But outside, outside, you wouldn't have him down as a lively person. You wouldn't have him as, as an extrovert. But certainly in the change room, he, he definitely is, and he's one of the first with a joke or you know to if there's something going on, you can usually guarantee that he's involved in some way. And yeah, I, th- I think he, he did want to stay. He did want to stay with us, but for reasons I can't really go into, there was he didn't stay. And um, I believe genuinely he thinks that now was a mistake um, that he didn't stay. Even though we got relegated and Wigan went up, he barely played a game for Wigan that season in League One. I mean, he could have been playing with us in the Championship and making a difference. They offered more money, I'm imagining, because they're looking at a bigger team than us. It's as simple as that. Yeah, Yeah, most likely. They definitely did uh, offer more money, but it, it was more about the... It was more about the, the personal side of it. and We can't say sitting here that if he'd, like if he'd stayed, we'd have stayed up. I mean, I'm still of the opinion that we would have got relegated no matter what happened. But we, yeah. would, have, we, we would have had Will Grigg rather, have than Will Simon, rather than Simon Church. So, oh. yeah, there you go. There's a name you probably don't remember. <laughs> yes, going back. So I suppose just to end, um, sort of end the pod for you, I always have to ask predictions for Saturday. Um, I'll go with Tony first. I'm going 2 0 all season to us. Hugh? Ooh, bold. Um, and and yourself, John, what are you saying? I've changed mine. I was 2 0 last year, but this year I've decided to go 1 0 every game for us. I'll go with I'll go with 1 1. 
It's our favourite show. Oh, I'm surprised. It's very generous. Because we're oh, had... no, no, but we yeah. don't believe it. But we we've had we, many. We said it based on the fact that we have no idea what sort of team he's going to put out or what formation it's going to be. See, we've so. got uh, quite a big match tomorrow night, and I think majority Wonderful. of people in Milton Keynes are totally focused on that. Even the players. I mean, any player that says they're not, I would be suspecting they're making that up. So, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the same thing happened with the Man United game. That's the problem. Yeah, the, man, the manager said anybody that spoke about the game got fined 200 quid, so that's why they didn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for yes. coming on. Just before I let you go, where can we find your podcast? The podcast is called Sit Down or We'll Steal Your Club, and you can find us on Podbean and also on YouTube. Goes out every Friday at about four, five, six o'clock, except this week where it's going out on Saturday morning because we normally record it on a Wednesday night. And like I say, we've got to beat Liverpool tomorrow night. So yeah. we're having it <laughs> Yeah. This is why I specifically recorded before we got hammered off Sheffield United. But um, thanks for coming <laughs> on, lads. Very much appreciated. Very interesting. Um, and thanks very much for coming on. And enjoy your day Saturday as best you can. No problem, mate. All the best. Cheers. Bye. Bye, lads. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.